Hello and welcome to this episode of Game on Girl, where we talk about gender and game culture. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy. And I'm your co-host, Rhonda Oglesby. This past week, Regina attended the second annual Geek Girl Con in Seattle. The con's purpose, according to their website, is dedicated to recognizing and celebrating the contribution of women in all aspects of geek culture. Regina, did you attend the con last year? Actually, I was unable to attend last year. I I knew about it. It was on my radar. It was one of those things I really wanted to do, but the timing just didn't work out last year for me. So I had followed it pretty closely. It was what they were talking about and what was going on up there, but I didn't actually get to attend. So I was really excited to be there this year. Yeah, uh, I've never attended, but um, their Twitter feed is is pretty good. Mm -hmm. So um, I highly recommend that. But give us the the, um, overall broad picture of the con about, you know, how many people attended? Is it mostly women? Um, that kind of thing. What was your junior feel of this year's? Well, the feel was very, um, very warm and, and very welcoming crowd. Um, there were more, more men in attendance than I expected. I kind of had this feeling like it was because it was geek girl con. It was going to be, you know, sort of slanted toward women, but there were plenty of men in attendance as well. I think cool. the final count was about 3000 people had attended. Nice. So it's pretty, that's a pretty good turnout, especially since it's only their second year doing it. Exactly. Um, and it was in the the conference center, the Seattle Conference Center, which is across the street from the big center where they have um, Emerald City Common Co- Comic Con and PAX is the convention center. Actually, they usually have both for those two. Uh, so it was in a smaller venue, smaller rooms, which gave it a more intimate and more engaging feel. And like I said, a really friendly crowd. The, the thing that I loved, and they had a lot of activities for for kids and for parents, um, but there were so many families there. And one woman who had, um, I think, probably about a six-month-old baby and uh, walked by, and my my friend who I was with was like, oh, she's so cute. And I'm like, yeah, she really is adorable. And she's like, yeah, this is her second con. She went to Comic-Con this year. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was just like, yeah, train them early. (laughs) Oh, that's so fantastic. What an enduring parent. Exactly. You know, she's, it's this six-month-old baby is, you know, a con veteran already, you know, to two, at least two cons. So, especially since Comic-Con is, you know, the big one, so... Yeah, and those those cons, especially those huge ones like that, are brutal. Mm-hmm. I cannot imagine. I can't. Uh, yeah, taking care of a baby through that. I, 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 you know, I limp through them myself. I usually end up exhausted by the end of the day. You know, carrying yeah. myself around by carrying around an infant. I can't imagine mm-hmm. the, the kind of. And I've seen kids at packs too before, but this had a high, a much higher level of, of people with families and lots of fathers with daughters that I saw, which I thought was oh. just fantastic nice. in the game rooms and. And, you know, different places like that and really sort of, you know, a lot of a lot of family bonding was going on, which I thought was just great. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Well, you attended two panels and you were actually part of one panel discussion. Yep. Um, Why don't we talk about uh, one panel that was titled EA and PopCap Ask, What Do You Bring to the Table? Which was a discussion about what is diversity in the geek world and how to make games better. To me, a lot of these titles and descriptions don't ever – I don't know whether or not that they get derailed by the attendees. Uh, they do sometimes, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but mostly the, the Dragon Con descriptions just really irritate me. It's mm-hmm. like nobody puts any effort whatsoever into explaining 
what, what type of yeah. uh, panel they're holding. Because I, the first year I went to several panels I thought were about video gaming, and they were all about D&D. Oh, oops. <laughs> and I'm just that like, would be a shock. Uh, I'm, I, I've got to get out of here. <laughs> But, of course, when you're talking about a panel with EA, mm-hmm. I've got to ask if anything was talked about regarding Mass Effect or if anybody tried to talk about Mass Effect. Uh, actually, no. I, I, the, the, in the other panel that we're going to talk about that I attended, there was a lot of discussion about Mass Effect. Ooh, but okay. the three wi- there were three women from EA and three women from PopCap in attendance. And I'm, I'm, they didn't have their names up. A lot of the panels had um, cards with people's names on them, and they didn't have names up. So I, don't, I didn't get everybody name from that panel. Um, but the three women who are from EA, EA were all from EA Sports. Oh, yeah, that's right. So they okay. were from a very specific area of EA that was not, um, that it wasn't dealing with Mass Effect. Right. And it was really interesting because um, uh, one of them was like a hardcore computer programmer. And, you know, and they were, so she was talking about what it was like to kind of be a woman in the, in the programming end of things where, you know, she's not, <laughs> she sort of stands out just because of, of who she is yeah. um, and, and where she is. And another one of the women um, was talking about, because one of the questions that they, the last question that they talked about for the whole panel and I had everybody discuss was how they got into the game industry. And it was, it was heartening for me as, you know, we kind of know I'm sort of, you know, seeing if there's options for me in the game industry. No, nobody had started in the game industry. All of the women on the panels had had other jobs and other careers before they got into the Oh, industry. interesting. So that was really interesting. And one of the women from EA was actually had worked for Pe- Penguin Book Publishers beforehand. And uh, she gave some great advice. She said she went in, when she went into her interview, she, she was a, a you know big gamer, and she had played Dragon Age Origins and a couple of other EA titles that she actually took in a binder with all of her notes and all of her commentary about all of the games that she had played and, huh. um, and went through it with the people that she was interviewing with. And one of the guys was like, can you hold on a second? I need to, can I borrow this for a second? And I, and he took it and I guess made photocopies oh my God. of the feedback that she had gone in. And she's like, it really sort of, it showed, you know, uh, she had, she had stepped up and, and started working on um, eBooks when, when they were new, which, which hadn't been something that a lot of people had done or wanted to do. And so uh-huh. she had showed innovation and had, you know, sort of led a project already. So that was how she sort of talked about how she was able to do those kinds of things and learn new skills through her job. So that was that was a really interesting story. Um, and another, there was another woman. Her name, her first name was Grace. I can't remember what her last name was, but she worked with production. I think it was and. She said, you know, when they're testing out games, I guess there was one EA sports game where you had to have like a strap around your arm to play like one of the fitness games. Uh-huh. And all the guys on the team had tested it and, you know, it worked for everybody beautifully. It wasn't a problem. And she went to test it. And of course, the strap was too big because uh-huh. nobody had thought about the fact that, oh, we can't just have straps that fit guys. Yeah. We have to have straps that fit women as well. <laughs> so the strap was too big and the, the they had to adjust some of the angles of, I think it was a Kinect game she was talking about, of how the, the camera read because she was smaller and shorter. And these were things that w- would have been overlooked had she not participated in the sort yeah. of planning and development of the game. So how interesting. So really I, great I, insights, yeah. Yeah. I, I would have thought that... 
I, I don't know whether they consider women and part of their beta testing or not, besides just in-house unit testing, you know? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not really sure. I think um, one of the women from PopCap said that uh, she knew a game was successful. One of, the woman who worked in production, um, I actually do have her name, Tanya Emmert, said that uh, she knew a game was successful when her mom and her, I think it was, n- you know, six-year-old niece could both play it and both loved it. Yeah. <laughs> that was her measure of <laughs> yeah. of success and that that was sort of her, her in-house or not in-house, but her, her testing or how, how she sort of considered, you know, when they were, you know, considering the games that they were making. Well, th- it's definitely obvious that games are becoming so much more creative there's just i mean art has always been a part of it but mm-hmm. you can tell through the the development of gaming that in the beginning that it was programming skills right and then we've we've worked more into the um the 3D type skills, but also into the art. But now it's writing. Right. Yeah. And so it's just so wonderful that the game industry and the game culture both are so rich creatively. Right. And all of these fields, there's somewhere for anyone's passion. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, I forget where the article was that I read recently. It said, games need writers. Mm-hmm. They just need writers now. And, I mean, I can tell just by looking at the story in Mass Effect, it is it is just unbelievably rich mm-hmm. when you look at the depth. And I didn't even really realize this until I went out on Bioware's site that it's like we pride ourselves in emotionally rich games. Yep, yeah, which it, they talked about on the Bioware panel that I went to, which we'll talk about later in the show. They yeah. talked in depth about about working on that and making that happen. They had one of the writers from Mass Effect was on that panel. So, oh, that was cool. Yeah. Well, the other panel you were actually a part of that panel, yeah, it and it was called "Geeky Technology in Women's Health: Gadgets and Technology That Help You Track Personal Health Information." Now, first off, how did you get involved in that panel? Actually, it was through um, the uh, the woman who organized it, Sherilyn Rudd. I met at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, this this past March, okay, it just literally bumped into her, <laughs> and and I had my um, I think I had my iPad out and I was doing something on it, and she's like, "Oh, are you guys at Emerald City?" And I said, "Yeah." And so when we struck up a conversation, and she's like, "I'm actually organizing a panel for Geek Girl Con, and we're doing um, there's actually a meetup during this event. There's a meetup at a at a local bar where everybody's kind of getting together. You should come, and you know, and we should chat." And I'm like, "Oh, that'd be great. I'd love to get involved." with Geek Girl Con some way. And unfortunately, at that point, the, the panel um, uh, submissions had already passed, but she had this panel that had been accepted. And oh, she okay. said she was looking for people to be on it. And she's like, do you use, you know, health applications on, you know, on your mobile devices at all? And I said, yeah, actually, I have, I have a whole library on my iPad of health things that I use, you know, pretty much on a daily basis. 
and she's like, oh, that would be fantastic. Maybe I can have you come on as like a user for, for the panel that I'm putting together. And I'm like, well, I would definitely be interested in that. You know, email me the information. And we swapped business cards and, um, and chatted. And then we ended up uh, meeting up at the meetup and having a drink together and kind of getting to know each other a little better, following each other on Twitter. And, <laughs> and that was how, you know, I sort of got into this, into this panel. So. And so was was that your role then on the panel is as a user? Yes. Yeah. As as someone who had, who gave their own so I shared, you know, my personal stories about um using a, a fitness app to track um my eating and my exercise. Um, and I have um, a cardiograph that I use that sometimes when I'm exercising, I'll check my heart rate to see how my heart rate is doing mm. um, and to keep myself in line to make sure I don't get anaerobic and all those kinds of things. And um, I have two meditation apps that I really, I really like. Um, one that's an, it's an energizer app. So it's, you, it's like a 20-minute nap where you have like the guided imagery to yeah. help you kind of relax and, and wind down, but not actually like fall asleep or take a nap, but just right. listen to it to help you kind of get your energy back if you're like mid-afternoon slump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Hit that for 20 minutes. And then I have the uh, sleep app that plays like an hour of guided um, imagery and meditation and music that sort of helps, you know, helps you fall asleep. And so I talked about all those different things and, and shared some stories and some of my experiences with that. So, so what did the, um, the rest of the panel do? Did they, did, were they representing a particular product or were they um, leading a discussion? Uh, who else was on that panel? There were um, two other women presenting. Um, I should have grabbed the names, so I didn't grab their names. Um, but they were both from government agencies presenting on some of the um, uh, on some apps that were available for people and some um, uh, websites that were available. Um, there were sites for women's health. There was uh, uh, the first pre- presenter talked about where you can go to find information on women's health online, government sponsored. And she talked about how, you know, you don't want to just trust anything that's online. You want to <laughs> yeah. make sure it's coming from a reliable source. And she's like, these are all government, you know. Um, things and uh, she had an app called um, 52 Weeks for Women's Health that um, has a different sort of healthful activity for women to do you know that it tells you once once a week different things to do so she had that one and then the other um, presenter was um, another government um, I don't want to say another woman working for for the same kind of government programs but she was working with teens and um, expectant mothers and so she talked about this new this new Washington state website that they came up with which didn't really roll off the tongue very well it was mm-hmm. washington health.org oh. <laughs> which oh, i guess bummer. in their <laughs> testing the kids really liked the way it sounded um but it was really kind of hard to 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 it was she even said she's like it's rolling off my tongue because i've been practicing a lot a lot <laughs> oh wow and then they had a um she had a text um based app that you could sign up for and you would get um uh, as your you put in your due dates as an expectant mother and then you would get um 
two or three, I think, messages a week of things that would be going on and appropriate to your time is where you were expecting, oh, um, which was really neat. And she was expecting herself. So she shared some of the, the ones that she had just gotten. Um, she's like, oh, I just got one this morning here. Let me sh- let me share it with you. So she pulled out her phone and pulled it up. And it was like, oh, you can expect that your, you know, your feet might swell a little bit right now at the, where you're at. And so make sure to take care of yourself and give yourself some time to rest and recuperate. So yeah. it was, and she said, it's not irritating. She's like, sometimes apps like these send, you know, or, you know, a text-based things like this will send you an app every day. And this isn't every day. It's just two or three times a week. And you can choose how often you get them. So, so uh, she presented on that. Was there um, much audience feedback? I'm curious as to what type of things that the audience may have had concerns about or, or questions about or what what's on, you know, women's minds these days in regards to their health? Yeah, we, we had great um, audience feedback. We had a lot of people there. There were probably about um, 30 people in attendance, which is, you know, pretty sizable for a, a con this size um, to have that many people in the room. Uh, we had some great questions. Uh, Cheryl, the leader of the, the panel, had presented on a biofeedback um, mechanism that um, would help women um, strengthen their, their their pelvic floor essentially, mm-hmm. and it actually had game applications where you know, the tightening and releasing of your muscles, she was using it on her hand in the demo, the tightening and releasing of her muscles showed, you know, on a graph on, on her computer screen. Oh. And it had different things where you, you know, you moved different um, um, objects back and forth across the screen, depending on you moving, tensing and releasing your muscles. And one that she said that was really hard where you had to like go up the steps with your, with your, you know, contracting and releasing of your muscles Mm -hmm. so it was like a little steps you know up to the top and then down the other side and she's like this one is really hard you have to have a lot of sort of control and concentration to kind of get it so it goes up and down (laughs) and she was doing it so she gave a really great presentation so the first person who got up said that she had used biofeedback to help with the strengthening of her pelvic floor and had done amazing things for her and she was really glad that it had been demonstrated and then she asked a really intriguing question that I had wished I had thought about, um, you know, researching myself. But she asked if there were any apps that helped with mental health. And, oh, and none yeah. of us had really addressed that. All of us had addressed sort of physical health and hadn't yeah. really thought so much about mental health. And um, that was that was really good. And then actually somebody in the audience was like, oh, I have some answers for that. I have some answers for that. So uh, she got to come up and, and, you know, she came up to the microphone and said, you know, here are some of the, you know, the different places you can look for um, information on, on, ha- on apps that help with mental health as well. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love that because I, I loved that it was that kind of engagement and that pe- you know people were there and willing to to talk about it. And then we had one other question that uh, was directed sort of at at me and talking about the fitness tracking. Um, apparently, there are concerns with um, women or anybody who tends toward um, bulimia or anorexia using the fitness or tracking apps, you know, to limit their their calorie intake to uh-huh. the point where they get into, you know, starvation mode and things like that. And I said, you know, the the app, when I was using the app, when I first started using it, and I was sort of freaking out about my weight and some health things that I had going on, I had actually gotten into that that state where I wasn't eating enough. So after a few, enough days, I actually got a warning from the app that was like, 
you need to eat more. (laughs) I said, and it scared me because I, you know, that wasn't what I was aiming for. So I, you know, changed immediately realizing that I needed to eat more protein since I had been exercising more and hadn't really balanced out my diet. So it had been really a great thing for me. Oh yeah. That is just really helpful. Yeah, it really, it really was, um, you know, something that I might not have had I been dieting on my own and not tracking was something that was, you know, keeping a watchful eye on me. I might not have known that I had sort of headed into, you know, starvation mode, which by the way, for anybody listening, doesn't actually help you lose weight. You actually gain more weight when your body's in starvation mode because it's freaking out about losing too much weight. Yeah. So you actually put weight on when you're in starvation mode. So it was really, really great to have it, you know, the app react that way. And, um, so, yeah. Well, the, the whole thing about, um, your body is so incredibly complex Mm -hmm. and there's such a balance going on that especially if you try dramatic diets but even if you don't if you're if you're exercising and you're eating um, just healthy you know even the intake of the amount of water that you take in I mean all of this stuff plays in Mm -hmm. and then if you happen to spend a whole weekend outside in 100 degree weather (laughs) I mean it, it dramatically changes all of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I like seeing is, especially with the uh, dealing with my female health history growing up, I so encourage people, especially women, to understand their bodies, understand health, and not... Um, not be shy about about researching and understanding um, procedures mm-hmm. and complications and whatever ailments that you've got that that you go into a medical professional well informed. Right. The, I always tell everybody, it's like, I don't need a doctor to tell me I have a cold. Right. <laughs> I am smart enough to figure that out. And the other thing is that I am hiring this doctor right. for his expertise. He, he, he and I are consulting together, and I am, in my, my opinion, I am not just the patient. I'm the employer. Right. And so he and I have got to come to an understanding and agreement. If they're not communicating with you, then he is not serving you well exactly. for the money that you're paying him. Yeah. It, it, there's... I've had doctors where I walked in and I said, well, I've done some research and I have these questions and they've looked down on me. Right. They said, what did you get that off the Internet? Right, exactly. And and dismiss it and dismiss the technology. And that was one thing, actually, um, a doctor actually who was in the audience came up to us after and was, you know, asking. There was another uh, Gavin was there also who was talking about some of the fitness apps he used for cycling and tracking his miles and the trips that he made on his bicycle. And um, he was asking. Asking um, Gavin about it, and I was talking to him about the ones that I used as well. But it was great to see a doctor who was like, "Oh, I want to know about these, so I can recommend them to my patients." Oh, nice! So that was a really great, a great moment too to see that it was, you know, he took the time to kind of come up and talk to us about it because, you know, there's so much in the media about how bad technology is for us. Yeah, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why I was so excited to be involved in this panel because there is a lot you can do, and you should be. You know, we talk about being an informed consumer when we buy a car. I mean, this is your body, you know, that you're going to have with you your whole life. So you should at least be as engaged a consumer with your own health as you are with everything else, you know, you purchase and pay for in your life. So, 
Yeah. Very much so. Well, um, just want to remind our audience that this is Rhonda Oglesby with Game on Girl, and we are talking to Regina and getting her report from her visit to Geek Girl Con last week. Um, now, the final panel that we're going to talk about was titled Get Your Game On, Shop Talk with the Ladies of BioWare. And this actually sounded really exciting. Mm-hmm. BioWare is actually a part of EA now as of 2008. And they're known for games like Baldur's Gate and Mass Effect and Dragon Age, like we've mentioned. Um, you said, mentioned that there were representatives there from several areas of the game design departments, mm-hmm. like yep. writers, cinematics, animation, editing, community management, uh, uh, production, all of this, which to me just sounds like an information-rich panel. I oh, mean, yeah. <laughs> is it, was it as exciting and, and cool as it sounds? Yes, it absolutely was. <laughs> wow. It really, it really was. There, they were, you know, as as to be expected, a great articulate group of of women talking about what they did, and they fielded a lot of really interesting questions. And you know, they they actually. One of the things I appreciated about this panel was they saved a great deal of time for questions from people, um, essentially saying, you know, we're going to tell you a little bit about what all of us do, and then we're going to open up, you know, the floor f- for questions from you guys. Nice. Um, w- which, you know, in a in a public con like this is always a risk because you never know what kind of questions you're going to get asked. But it was such a such a welcoming, great community that, you know, they, they really got some fantastic questions. And so they had uh, the writer who was there had worked on both um, Mass Effect and had worked on Star Wars. And so she had some stories about that. Um, so one of the most dynamic personalities that was up there was the woman who worked in cinematics. And in her introduction, she said, you know, cinematics were, were the ones who make you cry when the characters die. <laughs> she said, that's our, that's our goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was cry. so sad in a couple of deaths in, in Mass Effect. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was essentially their purpose. <laughs> it was good. It was very, yes, very good. It's very, and it was funny because there was a woman who was sitting behind me, and I haven't played Mass Effect, so I don't know the stories, but who was uh, very much engaged in <laughs> that discussion and had a lot of uh, sort of hooping and hollering that she was doing when we were talking about different things, so... Yes. So there was there was a great deal of discussion about Mass Effect, and um, you'll have to help me here, Rhonda. So so is, there's okay. a male character in in Mass Effect called Caden. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I have a bit of a spoiler, and and oh, I'm, yay. I'm not, I finished Mass Effect three. Okay. By the way. Okay. Good. Okay. Good. I wanted to make sure you had finished it, and you finished yeah. it with a male with the male yes. that you were playing. Okay. So did you get to the scene that revealed that Caden was bisexual? No, but I pretty much figured it okay. out. <laughs> because there was a very heated fan question. A woman st- you know, stood up and she's like, I want to know. Um, because I kind of got the feeling about, you know, th- some of the romance op- options in Mass Effect being, you know, uh, she had first commented how in, in Dragon Age 2 you could romance anybody. And she thought that that was just fantastic, which I, I have to I have to support, you know, uh, you know, uh, same gendered uh, romance op- options were fantastic in that game. So, you know, so she, she started off with that and she's like, but I wondered because it wasn't 100 percent spelled out in in this if if there was any sort of 
sexual tension that might have been going on between some of the same sex characters in Mass Effect 3. And the, oh, one, yeah. the woman from Cinematics is like, well, if you play as, you know, male Shep, you will, you know, very much find out that Caden <laughs> yeah. is, is very much bisexual. And, I, and apparently there was a very open scene on some option. I don't know how you sort of got to it, but she was just like, yes. And so that, that created quite the, uh, quite the stir in the audience. Yeah, the, um, the thing with me, though, is I, I, that is what I have the absolute least interest in. <laughs> is uh any romantic relationships mm-hmm. i i more enjoy the working professional relationships and the political relationships right and um i i guess being 20 years into marriage <laughs> it's not as <laughs> I, I have no fantasies left over to be fantasizing in game about romance right. i'm living my fantasy and so all of that just seems kind of dull to me right but but yeah, I, it, it's it's pretty obvious. And in fact, when I was playing with my femship, with Caden was one of my favorite characters until I got into Mass Effect Three, and especially the last half of the game when I was playing it with a male ship. Caden to me just turned out to be just kind of whiny, <laughs> and I was like, man, he's not—he's really not the kind of guy I was expecting. But um, he, he started off as my favorite and, and ended up as one of my least favorite. But, interesting, interesting. So, so, what did they have to say uh, as far as the ending goes? Uh, you know, they didn't actually address the ending, and I was surprised that nobody—you know—I mean. Because, you know, the writer was there. <laughs> One of the writers was and there. nobody asked? And nobody asked about the ending. Oh, my God. I was shocked because I, I thought for sure that would be the first thing that came, especially when, you know, they were talking about the fact that this is, you know, what they were working on, you know. I thought for sure the first thing that they would say was, you know, what the hell's up with this? But nope. Nobody asked. Oh, I- I know, I know. I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> the, most of the questions um, were because, you know, they, they were talking about also how they got into the game industry and, and what it was like and a uh, resounding feeling of, of the women of BioWare um, was that they really felt the game industry was someplace that their work stood on its own where they didn't fight you know, some of the gender issues that, that people tend to bring up that a lot of them didn't feel like they had actually come across some of those um, discrepancies that they might mm. have in other, other fields. And they were really proud because they said, you know, no matter what you do, you know, you sort of do your work and it gets judged just the same as it would anybody else. Nice. And I thought that that was really very encouraging and a very, you know, great sort of ending for that. That thing was they they all had mentioned that. And again, um, I was really impressed because one of the women on there, on that panel, um, Melanie Fleming, who I talked to afterward, had been a high school physics teacher who had gotten into the game industry, which is why, of course, I, I beelined for her. Yeah. <laughs> and said, I need, I need some advice. I said, you know, if this is something that I want to try, but my resume reads, you know, teaching for 10 years, how, you know, how, how do you break in? I mean, how do you get the door open? Because, you know, I think what's happening is everybody sees PhD and, you know, teaching experience and I don't really, you know, get a chance to do, you know, for people to even take me seriously in these kinds of situations. And she was very encouraging. She, uh, even though she was worried that she wasn't, (laughs) 
She's like, it takes time. She's like, she's like, do exactly what you're doing. Show up at the cons, get to know people, get to know people who are working in the industry, get to know the companies, get to know the kinds of roles you might want to do. And she said, you know, to continue with the, you know, the podcast and putting this out there because the more you are putting yourself out there, the better you know, chances somebody's going to get right. to know you and the work that you're doing. So I thought that was very encouraging for both of us, Rhonda. <laughs> yeah. Well, what particular field would you have interest in? Well, and that's what I'm trying to sort of, uh, to figure out. I really, um, I am kind of thinking that the production end, um, or, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, even, uh, PR or, or development, you know, game development and looking at how games are developed and, and how, Honestly, I think the gamer types that have sort of come up with would work really well in in the design of games. Oh, yeah. I think that would be a really easy thing to sort of to take and to apply to how people are looking at and designing and making games. And so that's my sort of angle for it. And I'm kind of thinking that, you know, here I already have all this research done with all these people that I've talked to and am continuing to talk to. Um, and I think that that could make a real big impact on, on, on how they look at games and how they're designed. So... Yeah, it it could definitely be a skeleton of a design mm-hmm. matrix exactly. to you know to apply the at the beginning requirement stage and mm-hmm. and um, the design stage. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's pretty cool. Exactly. Well, before we wrap up, um, did you outside of the panels or anything like that? Did, did you meet anybody else really cool or any other things that you wanted to share about the con in particular? I did. Um, I had I had two other people that I met. Um, uh, one, I, I, at the very end of the day, I went down to the to the games, and I, I was walking through because PopCap and um, Xbox both had uh, full game rooms, and so I was walking through the game rooms, and I have some great pictures of me in front of the zomb- the Plants vs Zombies house. Um, and because they had a big uh, wall with, with the house and the zombies and cutouts oh, of the flowers cool. and everything and the zombies. Did you tweet that? I did. I tweeted one picture of me with the, they had a zombie in a top hat and he was holding yeah. the, um, the the bejeweled cards. So I tweeted right. a picture of that one. I haven't tweeted the other pictures because I took them with oh, my okay. real camera yet in front oh, okay. of the one because I wanted them with the high resolution um, DSLR I have. So I have to get those uploaded. They'll be up with the post for this, this podcast. Cool. Um, so, and I, you know, and I, I, there's one picture I sat down on the floor with the pea shooter and the sunflower, which I personally just love. <laughs> and I also got a little bit of swag. So we got, um, uh, coasters, bejeweled three coasters, and I got a little, uh, pink squeezy, um, foam brain from zombies. <gasps> oh, versus awesome. Zombies. So that was pretty exciting. Um, and, uh, actually, um, we went into the Xbox room and my friend Colleen and I, Colleen attended with me, um, and proudly wore a, a Game on Girl t-shirt for me or tank top actually. So we were both representing for, for Game on Girl, but they had a spin for, um, for, uh, an Xbox. Like you could put your card in to win an Xbox and then you could spin to win, you know, a bunch of different things they had from Microsoft. And she actually won, um, the Sims 3. Oh, cool. And I won, um, a little, you know. Uh, reusable bag um, but she was kind enough to give me The Sims 3 because I've never Aww. played a Sims game so <laughs> I now have The Sims 3 to play and check out because I've, I've never actually played The Sims so so she was she was nice enough to give that to me oh, so that was those, those were our, sort of our swag moments but I, I also ran into another podcast 
maker. <laughs> and uh, we're going to try to swap out and be on each other's show. So it's called uh, BJ Shea's Geek Nation. And you can catch them at www.bjgeeknation.com. And I met Justin, um, who's one of the four hosts of this show. And, and it was literally at the end of the day, I just walked up to a table and I'm like, hey, you guys want to check out my podcast and handed out my cards. And he's like, oh, I'd love to have you on ours. And I'm like, oh, I'd love to have you on ours. And so he gave me a, a card for his too. Oh, nice. So, so it was just sort of like total, you know, just happenstance happened to be in the right place at the right time, which was great. And then I want to give one more shout out. Podcasters have always been uh, just like bloggers. They're very supportive. Exactly. It's a very supportive community. So it was really exciting. And he was so funny because he grabbed his phone and, you know, because I have the Twitter information on, um, on my card. And so he went and followed both the podcast and, and me right there. (laughs) And I'm like, if I had a a phone with me that worked here, I would do the same thing. (laughs) So I've got him followed on face on, uh, on Twitter as well now. And I, and he, he told me to go in and introduce myself to Tiffa Mayen, who is uh, organizes the Lady Planeswalker Society, which is a group of um, uh, women magic players who get together oh. every week in the Seattle area to teach women and, and sort of have this sort of welcoming magic community for women for women card gamers and to get women nice. involved in magic. So I'm going to try to get her on the show too. She works for Wizards of the Coast, so she had, she had to kind of figure out if she would be able to do that for me or not. Yeah. But um, so, so we sort of made all these sort of great connections. And that was at the very end of the day after I was absolutely exhausted from like <laughs> mm-hmm. wandering around and going to all the panels and presenting. So it was a very, very enjoyable very fulfilling fulfilling con so and like yeah i mean for i mean basically i mean considering the 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 big cons that are around Mm -hmm. i mean that that is maturing very rapidly and it sounds Mm -hmm. very rich yeah it was content and Mm -hmm. the the panels and there had been uh, because of scheduling i couldn't go on sunday morning um, because of scheduling issues um, but there had been another panel that I wanted to go to that was talking about that issue that um, they had brought up on the the, bio, the Women of Bioware panel. Um, Jessica Marzen, who's a community manager for Bioware, was doing a panel about how um, uh, what it's like to be a woman in the game industry and the myth of sort of this, this difficulty that the women have in the game industry. And sh- they were doing a whole panel devoted to that. So I'm, I'm hoping to catch some write-ups of that one online. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Well, there's a really great report, Regina, and we're just, we're glad you got to go and participate and share with all the other women and make some good contacts. Um, If anybody else would like to add to the report for Geek Girl Con or you need further information about what Regina found out, we'd be happy to provide that for you. We are the Game on Girl podcast. I'm your co host, Rhonda Oglesby. You can follow me at Row Room. That's R-H-O-R-H-O-O-M on Twitter. Or you can read my tech blog at droolonthefrog.com. I'm your host, Regina McMenemy, or Doc Liz with two Zs, as I'm known on Twitter. And I just want to thank the organizers of Geek Girl Con for putting together a fabulous event that was well-organized and well-managed and enthusiastic and friendly and everything a geek-sponsored con should be. So thanks to you guys for all your hard work doing that. Game on Girls available on iTunes and Stitcher streaming. The links, along with references made in the show, can be found on our website, GameOnGirl.com. You can also leave comments and feedback through Twitter at Game underscore on underscore girl, or you can email me at Regina at GameOnGirl.com. 
And we also have a Facebook fan page for Game on Girl podcast. This podcast is recorded with Audacity, and the theme song Good Day by Triple Fox is used under a Creative Commons attribution license. Thanks for listening, and until next time, game on.